Welcome to Stories with Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice, musician turned entrepreneur and co-founder of 6th Ave Homes and 6th Ave Storytelling. Over the past 10 years, I have launched multiple successful businesses and have become obsessed with all things entrepreneurship and marketing. I've been on a personal quest to unpack what it takes to make and grow a great brand. One thing that I've discovered is that stories are powerful and that storytelling has the power to set a brand apart. Join me as I dive into the stories of the heavy-hitting leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and business owners in our community to hear their biggest wins, greatest losses, and their best business secrets. There's a story behind every great brand. Welcome to Stories with Soul. Stories with Soul is brought to you by my company, 6th Ave Storytelling. In 2020, we launched a marketing company on a mission to encourage entrepreneurship and make starting and growing a small business easier than ever before. Since then, we have helped hundreds of small businesses and entrepreneurs grow their brands by giving them the tools, resources, strategy, and support they need to craft and share their stories. If you are thinking about launching and growing your own brand, schedule a meetup with me today. I would love to talk to you. Head over to 6thAvStorytelling.com and let me show you how the storytelling approach can transform your marketing strategy. This episode is sponsored in part by Pre-Kindle, the platform designed to empower event creators to develop the best experiences possible for their communities. Did you know that Pre-Kindle was actually founded in DFW and is still headquarters in Dallas? Well, now you do. We love local businesses and Pre-Kindle is one of the best. With a best-in-class platform of features, no long-term contracts, low service fees, responsive mobile-friendly event pages, and friendly and attentive support, Pre-Kindle is my personal favorite ticketing and marketing platform for any event. Anytime I'm planning something with my band, Green River Ordinance, Pre-Kindle is our go-to platform to use. With an impressive roster of event creators, venues, and entertainment destinations across the nation, Pre-Kindle's hands down the best. In DFW alone, they've partnered with incredible spaces like the Granada Theater, Panther Island Pavilion, the Kessler, Will Rogers Coliseum, the Fort Worth Modern, Tulips, Rizzo Theater, and more. If you have been to an event or venue in DFW, I promise you have likely been using Pre-Kindle and you didn't even know it. Beyond ticketing, Pre-Kindle also helps automatically promote your event. With over 500,000 subscribers in North Texas and partnerships with event discovery sites like Bands in Town, Spotify, Google, they're set up to also help you spread the word. So go to prekindle.com, that's P-R-E-K-I-N-D-L-E.com and click Get Started to begin using the platform. They are on a mission to bring your event to life. All right, howdy guys. We are filming this episode in Aspen, Colorado. We are at Jazz Fest right now. Visit Fort Worth and Sundance Square brought a collection of artists down to, to experience the festivities. We had Liam Bridges headlining last night, and there are some great uh, Fort Worth musicians and some Fort Worth artists. And so I am here today with Matthew Miller, also known as Sunflower Man, who's probably one of my favorite I'm going to say new. You're not a new artist, but you are new to Fort Worth as the past few years. One of my favorite artists, uh, he has like specializes in the world of fashion. He, he has traveled from Milan to Paris and recently moved to Fort Worth like three or four, four years ago. Yeah, four uh, years ago. Yeah. But just so I, I've been an admirer of yours. Like I follow you on Instagram. We have a lot of mutual friends. I've loved your work. You're like the coolest dressed person <laughs> in the city. And so I, I was stoked that you, I saw that you were going to be here. And I was like, I would love to interview him. So here we are. Sunflower man, Matthew Miller. Thanks for thanks for joining me. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate the invitation to, uh, to come and talk. And like you're saying, I, I've known about you for forever, ever since I moved to Fort Worth. But yeah, we've never actually met. Officially so this met is crazy. Until yesterday yeah. was like was the first time. So can you? Okay, we we, we got to start off with the name Sunfl Sunflower Man. Yeah. Where tell 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 me the give me some some context of the story there. Yeah. So Sunflower Man is is a name I've had since. I mean, since I was 10 years old. Okay. So, okay, we'll go back to Michigan. I grew up in Michigan. Grand Rapids, right? Grand Rapids, that's correct. Have you, have you ever gone to the intersection, the music venue? Oh, there? yeah. Um, and well, Founders, so Founders Brewery, have you been there? Founders Brewery, that's like the, the like big brewery from Grand Rapids. Isn't now, Grand Rapids has so many breweries. Yeah. West Michigan has probably hundreds of breweries. But Founders is kind of like the big yeah. name. They were one of the early... Uh, breweries uh, in West craft, Michigan to really yeah. you have to make it big. So I, I, I digress. I love I, Grand Rapids. We used to tour and we played the intersection and we. That's great. We'd I go to founders. I had friends in high school who were in bands, so I would go see them at the uh -huh. intersection. So t okay, t yeah. tell your story. I interrupted because okay. I love Grand Rapids, and I got excited when I heard that. Uh, I'm, that makes me very happy because I love Grand Rapids and nobody it's, else cares about Michigan. It's, it's not like sad. Fort Worth. It's got it's got like small town but That's it's big. I say. And, uh, I say it's like a small Fort Worth. Yeah. Okay, so take me back. Take me to your story. Tell me the tell me the sunflower okay. man yes. story. Growing up in Michigan, I, I would go to the summer camp okay. every year. And you know, ten years old, uh, I'm in this camp and then one day we have a a skit class. I don't know why we did it. It was just one year. Mm -hmm. um, but that year we had a skit class and we had to pull an item out of a bag and turn it into a skit. That was the whole thing this one day. And 10 years old, I love superheroes. Uh -huh. So I reach into this bag, I pull out a shower curtain, I look at it, it's covered in sunflower design. So immediately I drape it over my shoulders, I tie it off that day. I am sunflower man. man. That day, 10 years ago. And it's, did your friends yeah. call you that? Well, I was 10 years old. So okay. that's 23 years ago okay, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sunflower man can that's drink so legally. interesting. I did yeah. not know what <laughs> where it came from. Yeah. So, I mean, I would just draw Sunflower Man on the marker board or the uh -huh. chalkboard in school. And then I would write about Sunflower Man in creative writing class. And it became your alter ego. It just became, yeah. Because my name is Matthew Miller, yeah. which I appreciate. But thousands that's of other Americans. General, general name. I, I was in a small, small school. In my school's district, there was another Matthew Miller who I would play in basketball. Like, okay. there was another Matthew Miller on another small school team. There were so many of us. I, interesting anecdote for me, uh, every time I leave the country and return, I get detained at the airport now. Okay. <laughs> your passport is essentially your name and your birthday. Oh, like, that's so about some, it. some other Matthew Millers have gotten in trouble. So another Matthew Miller with my exact same birthday did something wrong somewhere <laughs> in Phoenix. Okay. And so they detain me every time I re-enter the country. Uh, yeah. So they usually hold me for like 30 to 60 minutes. You need to minutes. make Sunflower Man like your legal middle name I mean, or that something. Would, that would really help. Yeah. That would go a long way. Well, that's, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's become, and it's, the superpower there is? There is none. There is none. And he never, Sunflower Man never had a superpower, <laughs> even when I was writing about him. So when I, did, when I graduated high school and I wanted to become a professional, whatever that meant to me at the time, Sunflower Man made more sense than Matthew Miller, uh -huh. especially when you're signing up for an email, yeah. even in the early days. It was like, okay, Matthew Miller, 3657. I'm like, I don't want yeah. random numbers, yeah. but I can just get Sunflower Man and nobody else has it. I love That's it. me. I love it. And so, yeah, I can claim it everywhere usually. This, this is a good story. I'm yeah. glad you took us there. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're like... You are synonymous in my mind just with, mm. with upscale men's fashion. And so you're, you do a lot of things. Like you, you, you have, have done some, some 
recent closed collaborations with Frank Frank Moss, who was a, a guest we had previously. Um, you've done NFTs, you've done all, all sorts, like all sorts of stuff. But but fashion is sort of your world, and and art, pen and, and ink, and and very detailed drawings is sort of your niche. Can you can you just like tell us or describe like what it is you do and what what your style is and what that? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean. My whole world really is kind of an amalgam of my lifestyle and then what I paint. Mm -hmm. What I paint reflects the what I'm the way I'm dressing at the time and what I uh, how I dress often is influenced by what I'm painting. They go back and forth, mm -hmm. so it really is kind of like one and the same uh, in a lot of ways. But yeah, I didn't grow up with fashion as a part of my life. You didn't. Your dad wasn't wearing like crazy fancy suits no. and no, nothing. A suit maybe on Saturday. That's when we would go to church, uh -huh. and maybe. But not always. So growing up, I didn't, was not related to that at all. I just wore old, big shirts, whatever <laughs> shorts I had available, running around in the winter with like moon boots and shorts and a t-shirt uh -huh. just through the snow. Like that was my life. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then at some point, I, I graduated, got into art school, and fashion like started sneaking in a little bit. I don't know exactly why. So you went to art school. I went, to, uh, I went to a couple different art schools. I went yeah. to art school in Grand Rapids, okay. uh, Kendall College of Art and Design of Ferris State University. So many syllables. Uh, and I dropped out, went to a school in Atlanta, went to Savannah College of Art and Design in mm. Atlanta, Georgia, and dropped out of that as well. <laughs> we can talk, there's, there's a theme here. <laughs> we can talk about art school all day. I, I, have, I have issues with the modern expression yeah. of what an art school is, and it just didn't make sense. I yeah. could already do all of the technical things did you, that they were teaching. Just because you were naturally gifted? like Because I, yeah, I just explored. Okay. Uh, and th there's obviously a natural talent there. But uh, to me, a natural talent is just something you discover before you have real consciousness. Mm -hmm. And it's just there with you. And then you got to hone it. And then you hone it. And then you, you put in the hours, you put in the... Yeah. And, and, and I, I'm assuming... Well, we're going to get we're gonna get into that in a second. But keep, keep, keep telling. So, so you got into fashion sort of... This episode of Stories with Soul is sponsored in part by Project 202, the leader in experience-driven software strategy, design, and development. Whether you're looking to build a new software solution, redesign your mobile app, or kick off a digital transformation initiative, Project 202's customized approach creates solutions that work for your customers. Customer experience drives engagement, and cultivating that experience requires a ton of attention and time. Project 202 is local and has 18 years of design leadership. This team is an expert in using customer-centric methods to build compelling data-driven customer experiences. Wherever you're at in your business journey, the diverse team at Project 202 will guide you from idea to execution. Go to project202.com. That's P-R-O-J-E-K-T-202.com and click contact to begin winning the hearts of your customers and exceeding your business goals today. This episode of Stories with Soul is brought to you by TCU Neely Institute for Entrepreneurship and Innovation. They're ranked as one of the top entrepreneurship programs in the country, and they live by the Neely promise to unleash human potential with leadership at the core and innovation in our spirit. The Institute has recently launched the Horn Frog Investment Network, which leverages the expertise and experience of entrepreneurs, business leaders, and investment professionals. They source, evaluate, and invest in the next generation of innovators. Crazy cool. And as an entrepreneur myself, I know the importance of finding great help. 
it can truly make or break your business. Luckily, as Fort Worth entrepreneurs, we have access to some of the top up-and-coming minds in the nation. If you're a business looking for talented students and interns, visit the Neely School of Business website to learn more about the Entrepreneurial Intern Scholars Program. They're actively looking for placements for their incredible students. They're doing amazing things, and it's exciting to see the next generation of entrepreneurs grow and flourish right here in our city. Kind of by accident-ish, maybe some friends influenced me. Part of my job maybe influenced me, but then I really got into it. And this is 2011, 2012. This is the height of hashtag menswear on Tumblr and Blogspot. I don't know if you were ever a part of that. I had friend, friends that were like the men's fashion blogs kind of became a, a thing. Yeah. Yeah. After 2010, it like blew up for, for guys, just the average guy. Mm-hmm. And it really, I think, helped Americans accept fashion as a part of a lifestyle rather than just like this thing other people do. Mm-hmm. This thing like maybe a rich person does or, or a musician, they'll dress up. Right. They, yeah. they dress weird. They get fancy. Or, you know, if you're in finance, you wear a suit. But you can express yourself in a different way with a suit, which is really interesting. I think hashtag menswear that era really, really like influenced a generation of men in America to be open to exploring fashion. And it's, it's OK to it's care okay. about it. And it's, it's OK. Fun and there's, yeah. And, yeah. It's it used to be. You know, historically, like that's that's a, a, a woman's type of thing to right. care about, and and now and now it's like it's it's normal to, yeah. But it also like you look at like the twenties and the thirties, and men would wear hats, and I I, I'm a hat guy. I love uh, hats. I'm a hat, but they would they would dress up, and there was colors and like textures and pockets where you know we yeah. lost a lot of that, and so anyway, so you got interested in in that concept and in the idea of like and was it elevated was it just fashion in general or was it this sort of like because when i when i think of you and your stuff i think of like suits it's it's very like that's great and i think suits really became a thing for me because that hashtag menswear moment was really all about suits mm-hmm. and so I, I like fell into that and discovered a lot about the suiting industry so now a lot of my work has been like the high-end uh suit industry watches handmade hats, boots, like the high end, the craft side of the fashion industry. That's kind of where I like. like Taylor, Taylor, like this is custom made type of stuff. So were you buying that stuff or were you just like looking at magazines and drawing that stuff? Uh, It's very expensive, (laughs) all of it as well. I've never had the money for it. I still don't have the money for it. I figured out a way to make uh, this lifestyle work. Bartering Uh, (laughs) goes a long way. I'm a fan of bartering. Yes, bartering is great and it's, it's, served me well um yes i i I mean there are so many avenues here we can talk about business we can talk about the 1920s era of fashion because i have thoughts on that as well and the way that it's different than today but that that's a whole rabbit hole and if we want to go down we can i think we're gonna go i want to go down that rabbit hole. but so okay so catch me i like take the, the transition of i'm going to art school and i'm drawing and now i'm into this i'm into suits and fashion and now like, did you get, were you good at it? Like, like, was there, was there someone who's all of a sudden, like, you drew a picture of a guy in a suit and someone's like, I want to buy it. W- when did you, when did that become your niche and your thing? Yeah. I've always been good at drawing. Okay. Since uh, you were a kid, you were good at drawing. Yeah. I've just been good at it. Like, were it's what I was known encouraging for. encouraging you for that or you just did it? Yes. I think they would, I don't think they knew how necessarily, yeah. but they, they were always open with me, like exploring that mm-hmm. avenue. Uh, I don't, yeah. I don't think they really like 
knew exactly how to help, but they did what they could. They, they would buy me paper and pencils or whatever, and I would just explore. I, I had art teachers in high school and middle school who were really like, they understood how to create. So they would really push me because they mm -hmm. saw that passion and that interest and the talent. Uh, yeah, so I was, I was good at that part. I could, do, I could do the work part, but I really entered fashion at a time when nobody else was painting it on the fashion on the, the like marketing and advertising side. Cause we, we had discussed beforehand the, the, um, the behind the scenes, the design and production side. Mm -hmm. And I don't do that. I'm, I mostly do like either fine You're art. not designing suits. You're, not designing. you're capturing them in, in art form. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so nobody else was doing that when I started doing it. I didn't know it. I just was interested and I started painting it and I started looking for other artists and there was nobody. Mm. It's like, okay, I guess I'll be the one who does it, which is a double-edged sword. If nobody's doing it, maybe there's a reason. <laughs> but also, if you're like a first mover, that's often like a decent opportunity to find a niche. Yeah. The, and I happened like the hashtag menswear again was blowing up. So I jumped in at the time when the industry was exploding. It was growing mm -hmm. so fast. So that double-edged sword worked out because I joined at the right moment. So were you were you posting your pictures on Instagram? Were you did you have a blog? Like how? Yeah, it was probably Tumblr and Tumblr. Blogspot okay. at the time. So you would you would paint you you cut painting or drawing cuz it's kind of both, right? Yeah, both. Painting. Both. So you would paint it paint paint a, a picture put it on your t on Tumblr yeah. and then people started to notice it. Yeah. One guy in England was starting this uh, kind of ceramic boutonniere company, which I, I, as far as I know, never really took off, which is cool. But he was really the first one to pay me okay. to do fashion art. And so when someone was like, I want to pay you to, that was, that was not how did moment. you, did you geek out? Were you like, this is, that was, that was great. That uh -huh. was great. I went all out. I actually, it, it led to my next gig because I, which actually leads me to Dallas in a way. So I was, doing a part of that painting inside of a menswear boutique in Atlanta, just capturing some like behind the scenes video of me like painting. And so a couple of guys from Dallas were just touring uh, clothiers and they happened to see me and they're like, oh, can you do uh, like pretty basic renderings for their style guide? Because mm -hmm. they were starting a fashion company. And I was like, sure, that's great. So yeah. they saw me doing that live painting, gave me his card and I did a bunch of work for for this company, Q Clothier. I don't know oh, if yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's uh, kind of a famous Dallas yeah. brand. So they were the second people to ever pay me um, before I ever knew that I was going to move to DFW. Mm -hmm. And that, so that was, that was huge. So I, the first gig led to the second gig, and it just opened my eyes to this idea that I could have a career. Mm -hmm. And you like doing it. And I like to do it. So that you it. found a niche, and you're like, I like, you were into that. Yeah. And, and, and so... So what happened next? Like, how did you, did, did you quit your job? Were you making enough to, I, I, like, were you, was it a side hustle? And then it, I'm assuming yeah. at some point it's like, this is not a side hustle anymore. Right. It was a side hustle for okay. sure. Because I dropped out of art school and then I was like, who am I? What do I do? Mm -hmm. So I would go to work. I was working at a pizzeria. Okay. I think I was still also working at Home Goods at the time. And I was uh, working at a nonprofit where okay. we would uh, teach <laughs> you're, art. You're doing a lot of b burning the candle Just at, going, at all. Going. Uh, so I would do that. And then any moment I had at home, I would just paint. So it was often like go to the pizzeria, work eight to ten hours, get home, paint for four to five hours, mm -hmm. go to sleep, wake up, do it again. Like that was kind of my schedule after I dropped yeah. out. Because I was trying to like, if I'm not painting, who am I? Okay, so let's paint and discover who, who I am as an artist. Yeah. And I, I was painting all sorts of random stuff. And then I 
hit on fashion mm-hmm. and it stuck and that was amazing so i dropped out and i, I slowly I, I just left home goods and then i left the pizzeria and i was still working at the nonprofit, but yeah. doing the fashion stuff and getting gigs and it's like okay i think i can make this a full-time career so i finally my wife graduated so you were SCAD. married at the time uh so at the at that moment or, fiance yeah. And so she graduated SCAD, moved back to Fort Worth. She's from Fort Worth. And we we'd already decided to get married. So I finally quit the nonprofit and moved to Fort Worth, got married, dove head on in on the men's fashion stuff. Okay. Probably a stupid idea because I was making no money at the time. Uh, but I was, I but was, you knew you were talented. I was getting notoriety, notoriety. I was getting fame and attention. People yeah. were catching on like who's sunflower man oh let's get him to do this gig and that gig it really allowed ruth and i to travel so my wife's name is ruth okay and we got married and immediately moved abroad so okay. i could do my work so you anyway. came to fort worth for a little bit so I had a little stint tiny, here tiny bit yeah tiny a couple here, months and then y'all went to europe yeah and you like you weren't were you living in europe were you just traveling around europe like did you get a house or apartment? depends on how you want to look at it so we were doing airbnbs we would do three months at a time so what a fun life. It was pretty amazing. You were just renting a place for three months at a time. Yeah. Painting. And your wife's an artist too. So she was, she was painting as well. I think at that moment, you're like the ultimate art. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we were both creating and figuring out our careers uh-huh. as we were living abroad. So I mean, this, we were living in Portugal and Greece and Croatia, which are romantic countries, Yeah. but economically depressed. Yeah. So it was much more affordable mm-hmm. to live in Portugal for three months, fly to Greece, live there for three months, fly to Croatia, live there for three months. Like, even with the flights, it was much cheaper to do that than to live in Fort Worth. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You kind of had a hack. It yeah. was like you, you hacked the system. So so you're you're painting, and, and is it taking off more? Like, people are – like, are, are clothes companies buying – like, buying the stuff? Or? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, like, working for fashion companies, for magazines, for – startups like anybody who kind of wanted attention because at that point instagram really became big and important so i was really big on instagram like early and got attention that way so it was just a, it, the business slowly grew mm-hmm. as we were traveling and that was amazing and to where i'm at now like i'm, I'm really heavily in the watch industry and the fashion so industry. yeah what point did you do the watches that these, kind of was concurrent with fashion so when i went into fashion full-time i started painting watches because i these like really de- i mean they almost look like a picture like yeah. i've saw i saw a couple and like my initial thought was like oh it's a picture and then i'm like oh this is a painting yeah they're, I, they're I, beautiful i don't like the idea that my paintings are photorealistic i i avoid that description on my own because when you look, when you get up close, it's very painterly. Yeah, yeah, and it has a vibe. Yours, it has they, a vibe. They all have a very unique vibe. Yeah. I don't know how. How, like, how would you describe that? Like, what uh, can you can you can you describe your vibe? Because uh, the way I like to describe it is is that they're alive. The goal is to make the painting, just even a watch portrait, to make it feel like the watch is alive, mm. like it's coming off the paper and it's becoming its own thing. That's the goal. That's the vibe yeah, I'm trying to create. I can see that. Yeah. But, it, uh, yeah, but there also is like they all, even like if, if they're totally different, you can tell when it's a, one of your pieces. Yeah, I like to think so. Yeah. So, so it, it, okay, I'm, I'm going to ask this question. This, was, this is a question I wanted to ask because your stuff is so detailed uh, and interesting. Are you super detailed in life? 
Like, I imagine you spending hours. I don't know how long it takes to, like, paint one of those watches that are so crisp and, or, or pour, like, I'm assuming it takes hours and hours. Am I correct yeah. in that? Yeah. Like Days, how, weeks. Like, how depending. long is an average? It, it really depends. So, when, if you go to my Instagram and you see uh, one of the FP Jorn paintings that's 22 by 30, that can take, like, four to six weeks. And how many hours a day or? I mean, it's usually like I'm, I'm averaging right around four hours a day. Okay. That allows me to go from one painting, and I, then I can work on other things. If yeah. I do eight hours so on a painting, that's a lot. That's I mean, a lot. that's a lot of so. It's a lot so of my hours. question is: Are you in life that hyper focused and detailed, mm. and everything is like in a in because it's your your work? Everything is very precise, like tiny penmanship, and very like your lines are yeah. are suit like. This episode is sponsored by the Fort Worth Business Press. As a Fort Worth entrepreneur and small business owner, the Business Press is my favorite source for news and updates about the entrepreneurial community in and around Fort Worth. I read their email newsletter literally every day. It's always full of insights and stories that really matter. Are you ready to be more connected? Sign up for their free newsletter at fortworthbusinesspress.com. But if you're like me and the newsletter just isn't enough, you can become an insider with the code STORYTELLING10, all one word, you'll get a discount on the insider membership. Insiders receive exclusive access to special content, 24 issues of the business press delivered to your door each year, and discounts on event registrations and more. Join me and the Fort Worth Business Press in staying up to date on the people, companies, and issues that matter most to Fort Worth. This episode is brought to you by my good friends at Visit Fort Worth. Visit Fort Worth is the official destination marketing organization of the 13 largest city, and I would say the greatest city in the United States, dedicated to promoting Fort Worth as a premier business and leisure destination with thriving centers of creativity, culture, and commerce. Visit Fort Worth is the parent organization of the Fort Worth Herd, the Fort Worth Film Commission, Fort Worth Sports Commission, Visita Fort Worth and Music Initiative here Fort Worth. They are doing a lot of amazing things. For more information on Visit Fort Worth, head over to visitfortworth.com and follow them on social at Visit Fort Worth. Are you a small business owner or an entrepreneur? Do you do marketing for a small business? If so, I have something that I want to give you and it's totally for free. We've put together a free resource at 6appstorytelling.com slash download. And it's the secrets, it's the tips, it's the tricks, it's the tools of the trade. It's literally everything we do at 6 Storytelling to help small businesses grow. Go download it today at 6appstorytelling.com slash download. I, I'm very obsessive about my, my art. Does that know, translate to anything else? I don't know if it translates to anything else. Like, I, is your desk messy or is your desk everything? Terrible. Oh, really? Okay. You should come to the studio. It's downtown. Come to the studio. We'll, we'll, maybe it won't be a part of this, but you'll get to have a first-hand experience. It. it can sometimes just be a disaster. Okay. Yeah, but the painting... And are you... Or, like, are you have a calendar? Are you, like, pretty organized or are you... I'm fairly organized. I take on too much. I have a hard time saying no. Uh (laughs) So as much as I'm organized, it becomes a disaster because I'm like, oh, yeah, I love to do that. Oh, yeah, I want to do that. Oh, yeah, I think I can make that happen. Uh And then things stack up. So as much as I get organized, it doesn't help that I say yes to everything. Okay. So it translates a little little bit, but but when you're painting, it like clicks on this another level. Is that, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, yeah. I'll say it even in another way. Maybe it's not... 
it's another anecdote of, of where painting takes me. So I would do basketball, tennis, soccer in high school. I was on all like the sport teams mm-hmm. and I loved it. Great in practice, made the teams. I was on varsity. Uh, I was I was fourth singles, sometimes third singles in tennis. So I was like up there. Pretty, you're an athlete. You were you were athlete. But when it came time to perform, disaster, like okay. <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> How come? I have so many. I don't. I have no idea. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But it's terrible. So like I would always think like why did they let me on the team? Oh yeah, I tried out really well. Uh-huh. Like I could compete really well in practice. Mm-hmm. But a terrible lot. The pressure but, of people. But when I'm painting, everybody else disappears. I'm here, right? You're in your so own. So I, I do live painting at events. And, and you're I, not I even can paying attention to. No, no, I did a live painting at a, a club in New York at the top of this high rise. Um, oh man, whoa, whoa! I can't remember his name. This will be an anecdote in a minute when I can remember everybody's names. So David Thune is a really high end. Uh, Swiss watch company mm-hmm. uh, here I got it it's come back to me and they were doing a partnership with Swiss Beats okay. so Swiss Beats and David Thune they were doing a launch in New York so I did a live painting in this club super dark lights flashing all around me and I'm like just like squinting and trying to like paint people are bumping up against me drinks are spilling um, people are like drunk talking in my uh-huh. ear <laughs> doesn't matter this painting is amazing is it? yeah um, I think I think I went home with David Thune he should have gone home with Swiss Beats but wow. whatever uh, yeah. So you painting. get you get to do stuff like that. Like, oh yeah. Do you do you have any of those moments where it's like I can't believe I'm here? Like, oh yeah. Well, uh, yes. I had that moment as I was stepping back. Swizz is like holding up his watch to the painting. There's getting video and photo. I step out of the way and I'm talking to the security guy. His security guy. I'm like, they have no idea I'm here. And he's like, No, they don't. I was like, Yeah. But still. But st- right, so ha- it's like amazing. I'm here, but also like nobody will remember that I was there. Yeah, but, he, the but he's gonna there. have the painting. I mean. Yeah, Can you, do you have any other kind of stories like that of like, man, this was this was a moment where that it, that my pain, like the kid from Grand Rapids is is he, like in this yeah room or so I think someone a, bought my paint like probably on a smaller scale mm-hmm. uh, in the fashion industry and like the menswear and like the clothing industry, Luciano Barbera is a big name. Mm-hmm. He's kind of retired now. He's kind of sold off the business, but. I got to go to his his home in Biella, Italy. Wow! And like have dinner with him and his wife, and sit out on the because backyard. Because he liked your paintings. He didn't really know who I was as much, but I got brought in by the company. By his team. And his yeah, team. I got to meet him. So I sat across from him and did like a live portrait of him. Um, so that was amazing. Like that was a crazy moment. Yeah. Took the train from Milan to Biella, got up into like the mountains where his home is. Amazing views, great like hospitality. Uh, so that that was a crazy moment for yeah. me too, a smaller scale. Like everybody knows Swiss Beats, mm-hmm. but in the fashion, like in the menswear industry, Luciano Barbera is a name. Is a yeah. yeah. It's good. So tell, talk, talk, you mentioned it earlier the the bartering. Tell me, yeah. <laughs> tell me about that because it sounds really fun. Yeah, I love I love like the hustle of like I'll trade you this for this. First H- off, terrible business person. You are terrible. Let's talk. Okay, <laughs> T- tell me about business, business and bartering and all all the yeah, things. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to we'll try to go broad there. Mm-hmm. So. Bartering is, is great for me because it's lower stakes because mm-hmm. I get real. There's a lot of pressure. If money's on the table, then I think I feel some of that pressure like when I'm doing basketball or tennis again. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's bartering, I'm like, okay, I can do whatever I want. I'll make yeah. it amazing. And there's like low stakes. I didn't give me money. But these suits are like thousands of oh, dollars. Yeah, cost tons of money. And I mean, yes and no. Like it depends. Like there's a lot of 
a lot in the industry where like some of it's really high end, some of it's kind of low end, and maybe you can't tell the difference. Yeah. Uh, so I have a mix of both. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like bartering is great because you know sometimes I get a little bit of cash, and then the clothing as like the yeah. final. And that's part of your persona. I mean, people people are not just buying your paintings, oh, which yeah. they are, but they're they are buying you as a. Right. A, I, I'm assuming you hate the word influencer. Sure. But sure. but you I've, are you have this persona and style that kind of elevates the painting because you dress like it, you look like it, you have this vibe. Right. Well, I think it goes to branding, right? Yeah, That's, the brand. Yeah. It's, it's, it is the brand. Like, I, I love it. Like, I love dressing up. So it's not, uh, a put, like, I'm not putting on airs or anything. Like, I like to dress the way I like to dress. Yeah, it makes you feel. I feel great. I mean, when I first started getting into fashion, when I was in Atlanta, I would go to this coffee shop and I would start wearing these suits while I was, like, drawing. And people were like, see me and they would give me these big smiles. I'm like, no, I'm the only one here. They're smiling at me. I'm like, the only difference was I was dressing up. I was like elevating my look. I was like, mm -hmm. okay, this, this is weird and interesting. So on one end, like it makes me feel good because I, I get this experience from the people around me, but people react different. Yeah. And first reactions are important. Yeah. It, it uh, totally so is. yeah. So as a part of that brand, like I get a dopamine hit from wearing it, but also getting people's reactions. Um, but then, yeah, I just like the style. Like, I like the evolution of fashion. Menswear is very iterative, so it doesn't what, change what is, very much. What does much. that mean, iterative? Like oh, it, small, it doesn't change. Small okay. changes over time. So t you, were, you, were, you started to hit on 1920s fashion. Oh, yeah. And why, why was that so pivotal and I classic? love that era, and I don't know why. So a lot of my style is influenced by 1920s, 1930s, 1940s. Uh, I don't know. Even like, your penmanship kind of feels yeah, that era. It has this, like, older era. I have... Honestly, I have no idea where that comes from. Like, I don't recall a movie or, like, we didn't watch old movies when I was growing up, so I, I wasn't drawn to that. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. But something about when I got into fashion, like, that was what I was drawn to. But there was something about that era that was, that was a uniform, right? You dressed that way because you had to dress that way. Mm -hmm. You didn't necessarily do it because you thought it was cool. Yeah. You, you wore what you were supposed to wear if you wanted a job. Yeah. And, I mean, that leads us to uh, uh, our era, which is much more egalitarian, Everything is much more accessible. Mm -hmm. So you can wear a jogger, you can wear a suit, you can wear street style, you can wear whatever you want basically, but you can afford to wear anything. Mm -hmm. this, this goes down the rabbit hole of the, the environmental impact of fashion on the world mm. and the egalitarian aspect, the ability for everybody to afford to look good, to, to dress well, to impress their boss, to... Um, fit any any genre is great but also it's led to this it's or supported by this era of cheap clothing which mm -hmm. is not necessarily a good thing yeah uh, it's so, good in the sense that it's accessible but it's bad in the sense of like how the exploitive nature of right because in the 1920s you from. would have one suit and that's where you wore to everything mm -hmm. right but if you were rich you could have a new suit for every week mm -hmm. you could have a suit for the morning and the evening and for your cocktail you had a multitude of clothes and you could tell that yours was clean and the other person's was not so yes everybody dressed the same but there was a clear dichotomy between rich and poor which yes you could say that's the same for today but it's much more blurred yeah there's there are no real clear defining lines hmm. um there are some but like it, there's a big gray area which is great like that that ability to go from low to high and not yeah. have that clear distinction of like oh you're, you're poor mm -hmm. um, or oh yeah you're rich like you kind of have to question sometimes yeah I love that that's the egalitarian side but also 
the reason we have it is this this cheap labor, cheap products, uh, bad, poor environmental. And, and uh, part of would regulation. you feel like you're kind of an ambassador on craft boutique? Like I like to think so. Yeah, I I hope so. I think so. I, I like I feel like I have as a I don't know as a spectator. If you and you and Frank, like Frank, Frank, I've known, yeah. but like, but just didn't. It, it inspires me. Like I appreciate it, and like, like seeing how they're made. Like, right. So, it to me, like you are sort of an ambassador for like. There's, you know, like just like a, a craft beer is better than a, a Bud Light. You know, yeah, yeah. Of craft things that like it takes time. It takes like your paintings take so much time. Yeah. And and cultivating just an appreciation for for those type of things. Can can you okay? So at some point you were traveling around the country. You, you you get all these followers on Instagram. People know who you are, especially in that in industry. And then then y'all moved back to Fort Worth. You and yeah. your, you and your wife yeah. moved back to Fort Worth. Yes, yeah, so which we're is abroad. not historically the fashion capital. Of <laughs> Correct. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Fort Worth is great. I Until love Fort Worth. Now. When when, Ma, when Ruth and I got married yeah. nine years ago, I said, I don't think I can ever move here. Uh-huh. I I don't think I can live here. Yeah. And then four years ago, she's like, I, I want to go back to school. Forward just made the most sense yeah. for her to do that. But we never planned on even being here this long. Mm. Four years is, is a long time for us to be in one place. And like Forward has changed so much. It's grown so much. It's progressed a lot in ways that are appealing to me. Yeah. I don't know if that's the same for everyone. And you're getting to help shape it. I, 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 f- I feel like. I hope so. With, with you're, yeah. you're really plugged into the artist community here and, and Sundance Square and all. Like, that's why you're here. Right, right. But also, like, bringing, you're elevating the fashion game here. You know, wh- whereas if you're in New York or something, you're one of many. But here you're getting to sort of define yeah. and raise the stakes and speak into it and shape it. I don't, I don't know if you feel like you're getting to do that or... Yeah, I mean, sometimes yes, and then sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? Uh-huh. But yeah, I, I, as, a, as an artist, I have like these really high highs and really low lows. <laughs> that, which is typical of, of artists, I would yeah. say. Sorry, I'm, I'm pulling up my nose because I have a few, a few questions. Yeah. But, but, but are you, like, you going to be here for a while? Like, I mean, we're... we we get to claim Sunflower Man for, for a little while? We'll be here for a little bit longer, for sure. Um, who knows? We, we're, we're pretty nomadic so we'll probably move on at some point mm-hmm. right now things are amazing like my studio is downtown i i get to work with sundance which is fantastic mm-hmm. uh, you just did this big installation did a big installation downtown three stories of of basically uh installing vinyl on windows but it covers three stories of this building downtown yeah um kind of created a whole identity around this called fashion world so you literally took over a building yeah <laughs> yeah it's cool um, so that was pretty exciting, and that so yeah, in that way, like I get to put at least a small imprint on Fort Worth, which uh-huh. is great. And I'm, I hope that that imprint is is a good thing, yeah. right? It's it's pretty easy to like take. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I'm able to get like. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder because most of my business is not in Fort Worth, yeah. right? In fashion and watches, like my clients are elsewhere. How did okay? Take me to the business side of what you do, and you mentioned it. You're like I'm not. I'm, I don't. Do you do you put your stuff for sale on on your website or is it private? People are commissioning things. Or? I, I have done it on the website, but mostly it's by word of mouth. By word of mouth at this point, I've been doing fashion watches for a decade now. So at this point, my name is out there. Yeah. Do you uh, have a manager? No. Or a representative? No. You said I, I had an agency at one point, and I it was not good. But they were a big agency, and they had like really big names, and I was just not really a consideration. So, so, so someone comes and is like, I want you to paint this suit or paint this watch or paint yeah and you throw out a price yeah it's me 
It's all me, which but is you, a terrible you said, idea. You again. said you have, a, you have a hard time. Does your wife step in and like help? Oh, she'll chastise me uh, when I when I do it wrong. But uh, yeah, I mean, we we together learned a lot those early yeah. days traveling around and because you're an entrepreneur, like, you're not an art like just an artist. You are an entrepreneur. Like you, when it becomes your like, you're you're a marketer. You're, yeah, yeah. You're, you're doing the books. You're sell, You're doing sales. You're. You have to do it all, and I, I think that's what yeah. most people don't understand about an artist is like if you're professional and making a living doing it, you're wearing a lot of hats. Especially in this era, like social media has opened up the doors to anyone being an artist, but you have to do it all. You have to market. You have to do sales. You have to check your finances, and you have to create the art. You got to pay taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually like paying taxes actually makes me happy. I want to, I want to contribute, but God, do I hate doing my taxes. Uh, yeah, it's the it's worst. A lot of work. It's a lot of work. Oh my gosh. I have thoughts on taxes. That's a whole other thing. Do you, do you have, like, do you have, was there anything, any like big lessons you learned specifically either on the business side or the marketing side in doing this, that, that, that I kind of wish someone had, I, I wish I knew earlier. Yeah. There, I, I don't like giving advice generally. What I found is everyone's story is their own. Mm -hmm. And what worked for me is not necessarily going to work for anyone else. I, I try to share advice mm -hmm. in the form of storytelling. How did I get where I am? Yeah. And then, okay, how do I relate to you? Like what's similar about us that you can take what I've done to maybe help, help you grow. But I mean, one thing that I, I've learned is to negotiate, right? Okay. Especially the early days as an artist, you're like, I just want to get paid anything. Yeah. Charge more money. Yeah. That's it. That's like, a that's great a lesson. Hard lesson. That's God, a hard so lesson. Hard. It's hard for me. Like I don't like. I don't like taking money. Mm -hmm. I hate it. You do it because you love it. You do. You do. Yeah. But I have to take money. You have to. And slowly, I'm learning. Okay, there are things in life that I want to do, so I have to take more money. But to live a middle-class life in America is actually pretty expensive. Yeah. So, yeah. So don't undervalue your work. Don't undervalue your work. Charge more. People are not going to buy it, right? Some people will not buy your work. And you're not, your art's not for everybody. Your art's not for everyone. That's a great, that's a great bit of advice. I know you yeah. like, don't like giving advice, but that, that is really... Okay, in, in the same vein, it's sort of non-business related. Like if you could go back to Matthew 10, 15 years ago, is there anything you would say, like, say to your younger self... Right. I like, I like that question because it's not advice for everyone, yeah. but it's, it's anecdotal. Uh, advice for myself. I, be less anxious. Hmm. It's going to be okay. And that's just in the creation part. Like when there's so much pressure I have, like when, when I'm paid money to create something, I want it to be the best. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think I lose myself a little bit sometimes because I'm anxious and I, I, I try too hard often. Mm -hmm. Just relax. People come to you for a reason do your thing mm -hmm. like, yeah it was, was there a point where you felt free to do your thing that, as an artist that's that's kind of a defining moment when yeah. you're like when you're finally like this is what i do i'm good at this people like yeah i think there was a point where in the last couple of years i've decided who i am yeah there's a some some artists find it early yeah some of us take a while like i've been painting for a decade in fashion and watches i only recently discovered like where i think my sweet spot is mm -hmm. in the last couple of years and that's been liberating. Yeah. Knowing who I am is liberating. That's fun. Because then I can 
I can charge more money because I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Where before, like if I'm experimenting, why would I charge a ton of money? Because I don't even know what I'm doing with this. <laughs> and I was always jumping around from thing to thing early on. Yeah. Different styles, different mediums. I would try to do digital art for a while, which I love. But I, after two years, like this isn't me. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't love it enough. So, yeah, I think calm down. It'll be okay. Just relax a little Less bit. Less anxious. Yeah. That's great. That, that, that's great. And you, you, I mean, you've gotten to also do... You have your hands in a few different things. I, I read some. I don't know if that's true that you're starting a, a, a coffee bean. Company. Oh, oh. So is that is that a thing? I, so so I'm, I'm still working on it. Like is it's that, is that it's a, a long process, a longer than I thought. But there's going to be a sunflower man coffee. Uh huh. Uh, you're you're a, a coffee. I love coffee. You're like a coffee fanatic. And yeah. I read you have like all these espresso. Is that is that from your your, your yeah? I have a coffee journal over here. A uh, coffee journal. So, so what is a I, coffee journal? <laughs> He's going to get it. Stand by. I don't think I've ever heard of a coffee journal. All right, he's bringing it back. And of course, it's going to be like beautifully illustrated and written. <laughs> so here we are. Here's the, the coffee journal. That's, that's the cover. I don't care about the cover that much. The cover is just like, uh -huh. I need an easy reminder which, which of my journals uh -huh. is the coffee one. Um, but then we get into it. And what I, I, I illustrate my coffee with a Sharpie pen. Is this like pen. a rating system? I have done a rating system in the past and I found that to be very contentious and I don't mean to cause, to stir up trouble. <laughs> so I, I haven't rated, like I haven't done a rating system you're in a just, long time. You're just, when I'm, you I'm just documenting. Okay, this is the coffee I had on this day. Where did this come from? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I have found coffee enthusiasts uh -huh. do this. Like I had one guy took took one of the- So you, you have a great cup and you'd write it down. Even if it's, bad, it. if it's a bad cup, even if it's bad, I will probably write some a note like, don't have this one again. Don't drink this again. Yeah, uh, yeah so this is my, this is like I and think espresso number five. Espresso is your thing. I love espresso. And you learned that in your travels? Yeah, started in Atlanta. Atlanta is the coffee hub of the Southeast. Look how beautiful this is. Yeah. I mean, it looks like, so, like something you buy at a store. Uh, so yeah, I just I just love my coffee and I, I wanted to document it. So when we were living abroad, wherever I was, that's the coffee I wanted to do. So uh, when we were in Greece, it was Greek coffee or Turkish coffee, depending on how, how, where you're from. But I would do Greek coffee. If I was in Italy, I would brew it on a mocha uh, or, you know, go out to a coffee shop and have an espresso, like uh -huh. a proper Italian espresso. And uh, yeah, just everywhere I would go, I would try to have the coffee that so you way. got it became sort of a a, a hobby you're like a, an outlet or a, more yeah. than just a drink this is a it's an experience it's a lifestyle and you're studying it yeah okay so sunflower man coffee is gonna be what's the vibe uh very it's a bit surreal uh defined by so the the packaging is, is a watercolor image uh that i can show you i have it in the studio when you visit to see the mess uh but it's a watercolor it's very it's kind of surreal uh it's it's a a visual of me like a version of me mm -hmm. and my my goal and this is part of the negotiations we're working out is i, I love ethiopians i love a a fruity coffee a light mm -hmm. roast that has a, a nice uh sharpness but a nice like bright fruity notes to mm -hmm. it so that's the goal that's the vibe that's exciting coffee. i'm excited for that yeah so do dabbling in that you've you've done some big art installations downtown you've you've uh what, what, what else is next? Is there anything just on, on the horizon, whether it's working on a, pieces a, or projects? A watch or painting rent. I'm trying to really delve more into the watch industry. Okay. I really like watches. I really want to give it its due. My watch paintings take so much time 
because before when I was doing fashion, I could do like, I could whip out like five illustrations in a day. Mm-hmm. And when, now that I'm doing watch paintings, it's four to six weeks to finish one. And Man. it really messes with my mind. But to give, to give the industry the proper attention it needs so I can build that part of the business. Because I, I really, I love the genius of watches the, from the mechanical engineering just like the human genius mm-hmm. to the conception of time, this, this thing we developed to understand the world we live in just accidentally. Like we just, we had to. Mm-hmm. So time is just our expression of living and we're trying to define it by a watch. Mm-hmm. So the, the engineering that goes into define this ethereal idea, yeah. the design that goes into making the watch appealing, but also legible. Um, and then just the different, aspects all involved with that the marketing side of it the storytelling so much of the watch industry is about passing on the watch from one generation to the next yeah it's a so again, an like, heirloom like yeah. like with with suits i like the high end the things that will last the things that are personal i like that with watches as well things that are made either designed really well or like crafted really mm-hmm. well you can pass it on to your children or your pass grandchildren it yeah. and it's like if you know you've you earn it. You earn, like. Right. There's also kind there's of these, of these big mile watches are associated with milestones. Right. Like you're right. retiring, and you get a you get to watch something. Uh, so so that's that's a big a big focus coming up is just diving even deeper into that yeah. industry. Um, okay. My my final question. This has been a ton of fun. In fact, actually, I'm gonna, before I go to my final like deep question. Do you have what's your like go to like pen? I'm just curious. Like, do you have oh, like uh, a sharpie pen? Sharpie pen. Sharpie pen. So I do what, feel what, a little what bit millimeter? guilty. What millimeter? What, what like? They only have one size. Oh, so, so everything you do is just a Sharpie pen. It's like yeah, all, especially in this, if I'm, do, if I'm doodling a Sharpie pen, if I'm doing my actual like art, I use a brush and a ink. So I'm dipping my oh, brush Oh, so those ink. fine lines are with a brush. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, when I'm, when I'm documenting like a journal. Just a plain old journal, Sharpie pen. Sharpie pen. Okay. You can get it anywhere in the world, basically. Yeah. Works great. I do feel guilty because they're not refillable. They're really just like throw them away. And yeah. I hate that. So I'm trying to find a different, an alternative. But uh-huh. right now, like, it's they're an amazing tool. Yeah, that's that's fun. I wanted to ask that. Okay, last question. What 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 does legacy mean for you? Like, what mm. do you hope people, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, will? What do you hope people will say or remember? Or what do you what do you, what, what do you hope your contribution will be? Yeah, I don't necessarily care if people remember me. Mm-hmm. Because uh, people forget, like everyone's forgotten eventually, right? True. I hope that what I do helps to grow Fort Worth, even if mm-hmm. people don't remember. And then even if I move on, right? Wherever mm-hmm. I end up, I hope what I do can contribute to positive growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. I don't need to be remembered. I just want to be able to contribute. Yeah, I love it. Great answer. Well, thanks thanks for joining me. Yeah, this is great. Was, this was a really, really fun interview. So I'm going to take you up on on the tour of the yes. <laughs> to get yes. some pictures of that. So guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Congratulations, you made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Stories with Soul. If you enjoyed the interview and like what you heard, please help us out and share, subscribe, and like anywhere you listen to podcasts. When you share and subscribe, it is insanely helpful and allows us to keep producing new episodes. You can always join us directly in the studio by watching the video version on our website, 6thavstorytelling.com. Stories with Soul is brought to you by 6 Ave Storytelling and organic marketing company building standout brands on the foundation of story. You're obsessed with your business and we want to make the world obsessed with it too. Thanks for listening.